of the fusion underground this is uh what is this are we on season or is episode seven yeah yeah seven i believe seven i believe yes gosh they seem to be going by pretty quick yeah which is great that means uh at least we're not boring ourselves out yet right Right. Well, you know, we're not boring ourselves, boring ourselves yet. Um, so anyway, welcome to episode seven of the Fusion Underground. I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm here joined as always in our virtual studio with my fabulous and wonderful co-host, my brother, Jason Moret. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, brother. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So for those of you joining and listening to us, hopefully for, hopefully we have some first time listeners. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, <laughs> we just keep recycling the same five people. <laughs> <laughs> you and me are two of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for any stragglers we may have happened to have picked up over the last, uh, oh, I don't know, day, uh, <laughs> here at the Fusion Underground, we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives at least that's our mission i don't know if we're accomplishing that at all but that yeah, is uh we're having we fun trying that's so. right we're having fun trying um as always you can find all of our all of our rss feeds and everything to the podcast and to our youtube channel at fusionunderground.net uh, we do have a facebook page if you do a uh, go out to facebook um, forward slash facebook.com forward slash az fusion underground you'll find us we have a YouTube channel where we put this video also on BitChute as well, if you're into BitChute. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at the FU Brothers. Um, if you go out to our, our website, you can get all of the RSS feeds for the audio version of the show off of Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. As well as just you can actually capture the RSS feed directly and just plug it into any... Uh, podcast application that you might have laying around and then uh, it should find us on uh, just through the RSS feed. So today's topic. Now I, I mentioned this to you earlier, but uh, today's topic uh, I'm a little nervous about. Because, I, I know you are. Actually, yeah. I can tell because you're still sharing our Fusion Underground screen. I know. Well, I'm doing that intentionally <laughs> because I want to get something up on the screen really quick. Oh, okay. But, but uh, so that was intentional. It wasn't the, uh, the nervousness side of things. Sorry. My, <laughs> my presumptuousness is getting the better of me. Yeah. See how you are? See yeah. how you are? Oh, um, that's better. But uh, no, I'm a little nervous about this episode. This one, this is all about free speech. This is the now, topic for today. You're, you're nervous about free speech. I am. And yet... So we're what doing we, a podcast. We're doing a podcast, which is kind of a bastion of free speech, or at mm -hmm. least one of the last bastions of it. So why are you nervous? Oh, you know, it's, uh, we're, and we're going to get into this. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons why I'm nervous about free speech is uh, 
with the craziness that is going on in the world, especially in, uh, in the United States, people, if, you're, if you are guilty of wrong think, that can have dire consequences against you. And so when we talk about free speech, we're going to be talking about what that is, what free right. speech is, what it means to the country, um, and, and basically how people are terrible at free speech. And so I know by, by going down that avenue, we're going to probably open up some cans, cans of worms, and um, some folks may not like that too well. Well, that's okay. Um, but, I, I'm in a place, you know, um, we're, we're not going to please everybody, and I'm going to upset people along the way. But then again, I've kind of lived in that place my whole life. I think you're, you're breaking into that gently. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> I embrace the idea of upsetting everybody first and then explaining my position later, see if we can't find some common ground. Actually, yeah. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, thankfully, we don't have a tremendous amount of listeners who might get pissed off at us all of a sudden, but... Uh, or at least not the angry ones who are going to start beating down my door or shooting up my driveway for it. Right. Threat, <laughs> at least threatening, I hope. Not threatening yet, anyway. physical harm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that, I do have a, a palate cleanser for you. I did find something. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't actually searching for anything, but I found this and I thought, okay, I have to share this with, with, uh, with Jason. Um, I love it. So... With everything going on, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Cops, after how many years, has been canceled? 30 years or oh, whatever it's it was been? Like, yeah, it was like 26, 27 yeah. um, consecutive seasons, something like that. I can, I can remember. Yeah, they, they canceled Cops, um, you know, because everybody now wants to cancel Cops. They Literally, they want to cancel them. They want to defund them. Um, and, uh, and so Cops was canceled. And some other, I don't, some other live, like live, live PD or... PD. Yeah, that one was also yeah. canceled. Yeah, it was live PDF. So, um, so in honor of cops being canceled, I found this little ditty. Oh boy! All right. Yeah. Oh boy's right. So, uh, let me go ahead and play this for you. It's only about a minute long. I'll play the whole thing. Um, be prepared to be wowed. I hope you like it. Twenty dollars. I gave her a twenty, and she didn't give me nothing. Why did Why does she owe you twenty dollars? Twenty dollar bill. I gave her a twenty dollar bill. For what? For anything. I don't care. Whatever it's for. But she can give me my money back if she ain't gonna do nothing with it. Okay. Were well, you planning to buy some drugs yes, or I something? Was. What kind of drugs were you wanting to buy? Rock. Rock. Yes, I was. You gave her twenty dollars back. I gave her twenty dollars. She gave me some plaster. And now you want your $20 back yes, because she didn't supply you with crack cocaine. Well, she, if she shouldn't give me nothing, no plaster or nothing, she should have said no. What's going on? She come around here a while ago. There used to be some people right over there that used to sell. Yeah. We were sitting out here on the porch in some church. So she said, y'all have anything to buy? I said, no, nah, baby, we don't have nothing to sell. So she left one around the corner. Mm-hmm. Then she come back 10 minutes later, holler, give me my money back. up. No, you ain't bought nothing from here. Don't disrespect my child. This is my child. Mm-hmm. I don't sell crack. I'm a prostitute. <laughs> From here, don't disrespect my child. This is my child. Mm-hmm. I don't sell crack. I'm a prostitute. Twenty dollars. I get it right. Uh, <laughs> how dare you disrespect me? I don't sell no drugs. I'm a prostitute. I'm a prostitute. <laughs> sell my body. I'm proud of that. <laughs> it's like the. <laughs> It just kept getting worse. It was like a, it was like this train wreck in slow motion. It just kept getting worse and worse and more. Like 
The stakes just kept getting higher and higher. (laughs) Dare you, sir? How just dare you accuse me of being a drug dealer? Ah, you know, God bless our police force, (laughs) our our police officers. They have to deal with that kind of stuff. And uh, I I don't even know how you, I don't even know what to do with that. Like I, I wish I could watch the entire show. I have no idea what episode that was on, but uh, (laughs) I could, you know, I could only imagine going my mistake, ma'am. Move right along. Yeah. Sorry. There's no drugs at this house. Oh, and by the way, can you please come with me? (laughs) I, 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 I don't know. Um, yeah, God bless our uh, our men in blue because uh, right. I couldn't do what they do. Yeah, I I, I, I don't yeah. think I could. I thought I might have could at one point, but I don't think I could. At one time. Yeah, at one time. I think I got accused of being um, saying I look like a cop too much. If you mm. know, trim this up a lot, I think it changes it. You know, the beard. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I had enough people tell me you look like you you could be a cop. Oh, maybe that's something I should think about and fit the role. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, free speech. Yeah. I don't sell crack. I'm a prostitute. <laughs> and you are free to say such things. She's got a right to say that. <laughs> keep, keep in mind anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of law, but yes. You know, in in a court of law. Well, let's get into the topic. Let's talk about free speech. All right. Okay. So, you, um, yeah. So let so let's <laughs> let's let's uh, let's let's kind of start and set a let a set the foundation here before we dive into okay. all of this, right? We do have, yep. you know, I we, we are the only country on the planet that actually has a guarantee of free speech by our government, um, laid out in the Constitution, our one of our founding documents. And I say one of because the Declaration of Independence is another one of our founding documents, right? So we do have this freedom of speech. Um, and it's very, you know, it's, um, it's very vague as to what, um, the first amendment actually, actually says, right. It says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech. That's really where, that's really it. That just that single phrase or abridging the freedom of speech. It goes on and says, or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. But everything that we do online, everything that we write, say, um, even, you know, the types of artwork that we develop. We talked about art last week on the show um, and how art kind of ties into freedom of speech. You know, all of those things are protected. Um, because of this simple, this simple line on, on our constitution. So we have, we have this freedom of speech that we are, that we are guaranteed the, so the question becomes, right. There's all kind and the reason why I wanted to talk about this one, because since we started the show, we've been trying to articulate and have these kinds of conversations about different topics, but from a principled point of view. Um, and, and I think, having a respect or admiration or, um, you know, high regard of the ability to, of free, the freedom of speech, I think is important and ties in to principles and the ability to have these kinds of discussions. So I wanted to talk about that. Plus I wanted to just kind of talk about it from the perspective of, I think people are really bad at it. Um, yeah, I, I can agree with that hundred percent. I know people are bad at it, but in the, the general public defense, we're, we're conditioned um, to be bad at it. And what I mean by that is we're, we're, we're told, you know, this, 
type of, of speech is protected. This type of speech is not. Um, that you're allowed to say this. You're not allowed to say that. I mean, you've got um, um, uh, political correctness shaping what we are uh, allowed to do, say, think, feel, and express. And like you talked about before, when you're saying that we're, we're actually having these kind of discussions to uh, exchange free thinking ideas and, and come up with that, if we're not allowed to express any of that freely, then the, then the, the thought process behind that completely dies as well. Because this, what, if you limit the expression, you limit the thought process. Um, and that's how you indoctrinate the masses. So, Yeah, you, and you know, one of the things that... Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this is because of the way uh, members of our society change uh, very specific words. Okay. We have, you know, words mean things. And I like to say that all the time that words mean things. I, I spend a lot of time working with people in, in business. Um, they're, you know, in business, you're writing documents for a variety of things. Right. And, and I'm always amazed by the, the, the number of people that I run into and the number of documents that I read that are, that are poorly written. And, um, and even when we're trying to do something as, as basic or as simple as just communicate between team members, um, people often lose sight of the fact that words mean things. But when we, when we elevate that beyond our office or our business setting and we go out into the political realm or just in from a societal standpoint, um, words mean things. And, and we see, I think over the last probably close to 20 years now, we've really been attacking the types of words that we use in society. Um, you know, for example, there, there, used to be, there used to be global cooling many years ago, about 30 years ago, right? And that gave way to global warming. And well, that didn't really sound very well or it didn't play well for a lot of the masses. And eventually that word, that phrase became climate change, right? To, right. to mask things that were going on. Well, that's kind of a, that's kind of disingenuous because the climate is always changing. There are people who have said that a climate is always changing and it has, the climate has always changed, whether humans have existed on the earth or not, the climate of the planet was always changing. But if we change it to something like climate change, then it becomes whatever we want it to be. It's not just specifically getting warmer or it's not just specifically getting cooler. It's now just changing. And so now we can apply that kind of mentality to that. Right. But I mean, if you look at it from in that way, if you actually change the, you change the, the words that you're using to describe the situation, then you can actually pull in evidence um, proving and disproving and manipulating that as proof or disproof sure. um, to your, to your argument. Um, if you've got global cooling and we see warming happen, well then you've got a lot of naysayers going, well, how can it be cooling if it's actually warming outside and, right. and vice versa? If it's warming right. and you see cooling, well, if you see change and then you've got naysayers out there saying, well, the climate's always changed. Well, see, you see it too. Right. Of course <laughs> it is. I mean, so yeah, if, if you we can get to keep moving it, the goalposts. Exactly. And if you can keep changing um, uh, the definition of what, what you're actually arguing for, then you actually open up a whole realm of possibility of bringing right. in evidence to support that argument. So Right. When, you know, when, when um, President Bush was, was in office, we had the war in Afghanistan. But once Obama became president, that war in Afghanistan became overseas contingency operation. You know, we, we, had, we had terrorism when Bush was in office, but when Obama became president, terrorism became man-made disasters. 
um, young criminals. We, we couldn't say young criminals anymore for a while. Young criminals became justice-involved youth. Um, Justice-involved youth? <clears throat> Justice-involved youth. We, didn't, oh, we, we were no longer paying taxes. Instead, taxes became individual responsibility payments. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good, I hadn't heard that either, but yeah. I can. Uh, you know, taxes makes, are bad. You know, taxes right. are bad. We can't run on taxes, but individual responsibility payments. Well, well, that sounds, that doesn't sound so bad. No, that right? sounds I want to be responsible. Like um, everybody needs to pay their fair share, pay their fair share. Right. I mean, that right. sounds, I want to be responsible. Who doesn't want to be responsible? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, government spending, government spending stopped being government spending because, well, that doesn't sound very good. And instead government spending became investments investments i would have i would have investing um, that would have been more of a an allocation of governmental finances no it was just simple investment oh um you know if if you if you want to keep what you earn well we call that greed greed i was gonna say selfishness we call that greed but if i want more of what you earn well that's not greedy that's called paying your fair share right oh okay so right. I, I had that with the, the rich need to pay their right. fair share. Right. I, I, yeah. um, in Congress, if you oppose Democrats, well, we call that obstruction. Yes. But in Congress, if you oppose Republicans, well, that's called resistance. Okay. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm with you. Keep going. <laughs> you know, we used to have a thing called justice, and justice is about getting what you deserve without favor. You're due, you know, getting what you, what you are deserved without any specific favoritism at play. That's considered, that was originally what we referred to as justice. But then we came up with this term referred to as called social justice. Mm -hmm. And that's getting what you don't deserve because you are favored. Okay. In social justice, right? So we we've come up with, we've come up with all of these different terms these different words to use, which, which, really, which really are designed to, to, um, to mask reality. It's designed, they're designed to mask truth. I'm sorry, but taxes are bad. People know that taxes are bad. People don't want, want to pay more taxes. We don't want to have higher taxes, for example. We're already taxed enough. And so we have to change that to something that's a little bit more palatable, something that that masks what is actually happening happening in the objective reality of the world in which we live. And so we change that to individual responsibility payments. <laughs> individual responsibility payments. And so, and so this is why I say that <laughs> words mean very specific things. Words have meanings. We can, we can try to mask a word by coming up with a synonym. And yeah, you know, maybe some ignorant people might go along with it. Um, but it still doesn't change what we're actually trying to do. But the problem is, is by changing the language. See, the, the problem with all of this is language, language exists for us to take what it is that is happening in our minds and our brains, right? We're thinking of different stuff and we need to articulate those things and we need to put them out into the public sphere so that we can talk about very specific things in very specific ways. And if you start to change the language, what you try to do or what you're attempting to do in that process is to change the way that people think. 
right. um, and control their behavior through their thought processes and through their actual words. You know, um, George, George Orwell wrote about this in 1984. There was the whole wrong think concept, right? The main character of the book was responsible for going through and purging words out of a dictionary mm-hmm. um, and, and declaring certain words, you know, the government, big brother and everything was, had, was constantly banning words from the language. Um, if you ban those particular words, and there's a, there are plenty of words that we, we cannot say. There are, there are words that we have decided we are not going to say, uh, words that are very, very derogatory against certain races or groups of people. Um, so we've, we, we have chosen to ban these words. Where I start getting into, uh, where I start you know, getting really nervous is when we ban words either because we're compelled because government has forced our hand or we have people that are forcing us to change our words um, or suffer retaliation. Right. Well, and in the government, I believe is, is at least smart enough to know that you're not going to be able to come in and police every household um, in order to ban speech. You can't, they can't do that. And, and the use of certain language is absolutely what you're talking about. And that's, that's banning speech. I mean, we talked about this last week, even with the idea of banning books and, book, and banning literature. <clears throat> you're banning ideas, which is a expression of speech. So now do I, <laughs> I mean, that, that walks a fine line. And, and uh, our guest last week was talking about banning um, books or movies um, to specific audiences. And I think he used the example of like four-year-olds trying to read Gone with the Wind. Um, no reason for them to do that. I can understand that to a point, but where does the enforcement come? So unless you're going to have the government show up with guns to actually enforce those laws, then you need the public to willingly offer up to do that, I guess, uh, that self-editing, and for the public to enforce that editing upon each other. And that's where things like what you're talking about, there's, there's a lot of, um, of language, there's a lot of words, there's a lot of names, there's a lot of, you know, call it what you will. And ev- everybody out there knows exactly what we're talking about in a lot of these situations where um, you're not allowed to use certain derogatory names or words or phrases or ever. And should you do that, it's not the government who's going to lock you up. It's you are going to suffer the penalties of your peers and, and your fellow citizenry because it is the masses who have declared that type of speech um, essentially illegal. Yeah, you know, and when, uh, when I orig- originally came up with this, uh, with this topic several weeks ago for, for the show and I kind of put it into our roadmap of different shows that, uh, that I wanted to talk about. Um, <clears throat> there was, there was a, really a primary reason why I did it. Yes, there's all kinds of craziness happening, especially on social media from a political standpoint, but there was, there was, um, there was one main reason why I wanted to talk about this. And, um, and it goes back to our purpose as a show. Um, you know, for, for me, one of one of the the primary reasons of doing a podcast like this was because I wanted to, and I say it every at the beginning of every episode, I wanted to try to educate people on how to become critical thinkers. And free speech is fundamentally linked to the ability to think. 
Uh, and, and the reason why I say that is because um, thinking is very difficult to do. And thinking is very difficult to do. I think it was either, I think it was Young, Carl Young, who said um, that we don't really, we don't really think that most people, most people, what they do is they, they tend to have an idea and then they just simply believe whatever idea pops into their head and people tend to equate that with thinking. But that's, that's not really what thinking is about because thinking is very, very difficult to do. We're, we're filled with all sorts of different biases, right? And if we're going to think about a topic and really think about that topic or really think about something of a particular subject or concept, right? We have to, we have to somehow find it in ourselves to challenge our biases, challenge our assumptions. Um, when we have that idea that pops in our mind, we might agree, we might agree with that initially, but we need to be able to break away from the agreeant part, the agreeance part, and look at it from different angles and say, well, is there another possibility that could be happening here? Is there a rival theory that takes place here? And that is very, very difficult for people to do. Sure. Well, and, and even if, if you do agree with, with an idea, okay, I just had an idea pop in my head. I agree with that. Well, wait, wait, why? Why do I agree with that? Right. Why was I so quick to agree with that? Why did it take me a while to come around? You know, because there's, and we talked about this before, you know, asking the who, what, where, why, when, and hows, you know, about those and, and being able to challenge it. You, you, you know, if, if you've got biases in your mind and you, I know I'm going to buy into this, um, at least being able to recognize that you're biased is, is step one. Well, is it possible to isolate that bias? And if so, how? You know, those are the, the, the kind of internal struggles, I think, um, I think that a lot of free thinkers struggle with back and forth. I, I call them the Winnie the Poohs, you know, because they need to go to their thoughtful spot and touch their head and think. Think think think, 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 you know, think. <laughs> <laughs> not just to come up with an idea, but actually taking one back. Okay. Right. I had the idea. Wait, don't get up and run away yet. Right. Sit down and go think, 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 think a little bit more. Yeah. And most people, most people, they're, you know, I think, I think the majority of people in our society, they don't, there, there's no need for them to really sit down and think. I'm not saying that people are incapable of doing it. I think that they're, their daily lives, the things that they're constantly struggling with, you know, to pay the bills and to take care of their family and their, their thinking or their thought processes are really around those day to day activities. <clears throat> Where are we going to, what are we going to have for dinner? If we're going to go out to a movie, or at least not right now, what movie are we going to see? Those aren't really, that's not really what I'm talking about in terms of thinking. You might sit and think about what you want to eat, I'm not talking about what it is that you want to eat. I'm talking about these concepts like what is freedom of speech and why is it important? Um, or I'm, I'm talking about other concepts like is, 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 does systemic racism exist, right? These are these, these lofty sorts of concepts that you need to think about because right. they're going to have an impact on your life in some, in some form or fashion, even if it's about who are you going to vote for in the next election or in your local election or things of that nature. Well, and the pro the, I think the biggest difficulty that most people face when they're, when they're actually looking at, at heavy topics like <clears throat> what we're talking about, they live in a, and all of us, it's not a they, it's a we. We live in a, um, a socially driven society. And what I mean by that is, is we're not really um, tackling ideas or problems when it comes to actual 
issues themselves, we, we look at the social impact that those issues have and we relate those to the physical people um, and the emotional responses and the, uh, uh, how that's going to impact us socially more than how that impacts us um, physically or tangibly as a society. Because I believe that we've, we've become so socially connected as a society now that that is, is, if it hasn't already, it's really starting to define us as a people. Um, it's not about, um, even as far as we're here, we are talking about free speech. It's not really about what we say, but how whatever it is we say is actually perceived by the people around us and how they interpret that and then how they react to that. Um, if you really want to get into what people I think think about, it's probably more the social interactions they have with people on a daily basis rather than the, you know, esoteric ideas that we're pondering out about values or principles or, or, um, you know, whether you think a, a, a racism is a systemic problem um, and actually existed, it's because if they feel it, then it is existing. If it's affecting people in a social level, then it absolutely must exist. That's the evidence. And so how, how does all this tie back to things like speech, right? We're talking about thinking, right? We started with defining some terms and, you know, talking about different words that have switched meanings and such. And, um, and then I started talking about, well, it's really about thinking. And so there might be somebody listening to this that goes, well, what the hell is he referring to in terms of thought versus speech, right? How are those two things linked? And so I want to, I want to run something by you because I want to see what you think about it. Okay. Um, and I'm not the only one who believes this. There are a lot of psychologists, for example, and psychiatrists and such who, who think this, who think this way. Um, but the, the idea is we're so bad at thinking, right? We need to, um, we need to be able to speak our minds and speak freely. And we need to put an idea out into the world. And when we put that idea out into the world, now it's ripe for other people to look at it from a different perspective with different biases or whichever, um, they can now look at what we've said in maybe a slightly more objective fashion and maybe not necessarily an objective fashion. Maybe they are looking at it with all of their different biases, but if their biases are going to be different from yours and they look at what it is that you've said, whether you put it in writing or they're just listening to you speak, right? They're going to, they're going to say, well, wait a minute, you sound like an idiot. And mm -hmm. this is why I think you're an idiot. And so you need to be able to receive that feedback, right? And say, hmm, you know what? Maybe there's something there or that's not really what I meant. Here's what right. I'm trying to say, right? We've all had those kind of conversations. Sure. Um, where we say, well, you know, that's not really what I was trying to say. This is more about what, and you need to have that kind of dialogue. You, you need to have that kind of dialogue because it is through that, that activity of me saying something and then you telling me that I'm an idiot and me thinking about going, how did you think that? That's not what I said. What I'm trying to say is this, we're now engaged in an activity of open thinking between the two of us. Correct. No, I, and, and that dialogue, that open conversation is what actually fires off. Um, you know, when you're actually having a conversation with another person, you talked about psychologists. So I'm just going to tease on that for a little bit. Um, there have been multiple studies about actually watching brain waves interact during a two-way conversation versus someone actually watching or listening to a lecture or reading a book 
where the exact same ideas are exchanged. And, you know, when you've got somebody reading a book, listening to a lecture, who's actually receiving information, they, you can actually trace out new ideas coming up and new perspectives being built. And, you know, information's happening. You see the little brain waves going up and you're like, oh, look, he's thinking, how cute. When you have a two-way dialogue conversation where there's back and forth, I mean, it's like a Christmas tree on fire. I mean, everything right. firing off. Right. Because even while I'm talking to you and I'm watching you mostly half pay attention to me while you're looking for whatever else you're doing right now, I'm actually creating other thoughts in my head about and noticing the smirk on your face or noticing this, even trying right. to convey right. that. All of that's creating a whole symphony in your brain about what's actually happening. And how does thought equate to speech? Without speech, you can't get anything going on in your head, out of your head to anyone else. Yeah. You so might I'm gonna, as well be a vegetable. So I'm going to play something for you. This okay. is from, you know who Joe Rogan is. No, never heard of Joe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play something <laughs> from Joe Rogan. This is something that Joe Rogan has said during one of his stand-ups. I'm not going to, it's not a video, so I'm just going to oh, I was going to say, was that from Fear Factor podcast, no. Um, no. UFC, or, okay, so we're on to <laughs> So, um, so I'm going to go ahead and, well, I'm not going to apologize for Joe Rogan. I think this is funny. I think he makes a, a very valid point. Are there going to be people who might listen to this who might be offended? Yes. But take it up with Joe Rogan because I'm not really concerned about what he's saying well, or now, how whoa, he's whoa, saying whoa. it. Time out. Before yeah. the disclaimer finishes, because I have to, my understanding was comedy was yeah. completely 100% covered. It had the paper sack of immunity over any kind of offense. You're not allowed to get offended at comedy. I thought that was the rule. Well, that's just not the case. People are getting oh, offended okay. regardless. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so, but listen to this, and I want people to listen to what Joe Rogan has to say. Um, yes, he's crass and he's crude and everything like that. And that's Joe, that's Joe Rogan being Joe Rogan. He is what he is, yep. right? But I want to play this because I think it makes a very valid or and very interesting argument. I think he makes a very interesting argument and I think it ties in exactly with what we're talking about here. So let me play this for you. The problem with people that are homophobic is that you don't want to ever be labeled homophobic so you let gay people say some ridiculous shit and not call them on it. And that's not good for gay people. Okay, everybody should be called on their bullshit. Because when we say ridiculous shit, someone's supposed to go, bitch, what? And if, if, if no one says bitch, what, when you say ridiculous shit, you're hanging around with the wrong group of people. He's right. Well, yeah. He's absolutely right. Because you, you know, I mean, he doesn't go on to say, you know, you're, you're thinking and all this kind of stuff, but, but it's all, it's, he's, he's tapping into that exact same theme. You need mm -hmm. to be able to speak and then people can say in Joe Rogan's term, bitch, what? And yeah. so then you can go, okay, well here, let me qualify that. Or let me, let me put some extra explanation around that. Right. You know? And, and, I'm, I don't know about you. I've been in this kind of situation where I've had to, I've had to have a difficult conversation with somebody with, with people in the past, right? We all have probably been in that situation. And, and in some, in some instances I'll say, you know what, I really don't know how to say this. So I'm just going to talk and I'm probably going to say things that sound really crazy or really ridiculous. And I don't want you to get mad right away. I want you to kind of think about it and challenge me on some things so that by us talking, I can articulate what it is that I'm feeling or what yeah. it is that I'm, I've been thinking and I don't, right? So I'll have that conversation. I'll preface that 
to the conversation and then I'll start talking. And then it's just the stream of consciousness. And you have to do that if you're going to think through, think through something. Yeah. And, and, and I've done that exact. Okay. I've gone, this is going to sound probably really bad and I'm sorry. I just can't figure out how to articulate this any other way. And if I don't get this out, we're never going to be able to move on. So I'm going to say this, try not to get upset. Um, if you do, I understand, but let's, uh, maybe we can figure out how to solve it. Cause this is where I'm at and I'm stuck here. Right. Blah. And then the shock look, <gasps> I'm like, I know, help me, help me, help me, help us get through whatever that was. Cause that had to be crazy. Yeah. But I've, I mean, I mean, I had that conversation literally Thursday. <laughs> I, I did. Right. I know this sounds terrible and I'm really sorry. And I actually had to have, um, that conversation with my boss, which was very, very dangerous. Um, but yeah, it's when, when you have to throw a disclaimer out there just so you can express yourself, unfortunately, that's, that has, that happens. Right. And, and, and we know about this in personal life, right? We know about when we're working with somebody, whether it's, you know, we're, we're in a, you know, a friend relationship, a friendship relationship, or it's with our significant other, or if it's with somebody at work, sometimes you're going to have to, ha- well, let me, <laughs> no, no. that didn't come out right, did it? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm just talking about one-on-one relationships only. Yeah. yeah. It, whether, yeah. So we, we recognize that when we're having, when we have these one-on-one relationships, right? With, with different people in different contexts. Interactions. Okay, interactions with different people, right? There you go. Um, we recognize, we automatically intuitively recognize that if there's, if there's a problem, we, we have to find some way to put it out on the table put, you know, lay the problem out so that we can fix it. And, mm-hmm. and we can't, we can't address that problem until we, we have defined that problem and we sure. articulate it. And that's a very common thing. I think people, I think most people would, would listen to that and say, yeah, that's reasonable. We have to talk about it. Right. Um, but for some reason, when we get on social media and especially in when we're talking about politics, people don't look at each other or they don't, they don't come at each other with that same kind of idea or that same mentality. It's immediately no. we're, we're talking politics has become like sports. Um, yeah. It's just my team versus your team. And I don't care as long as my team wins. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we actually used to play a game in uh, when we went to the Renaissance fair called vilification tennis. Um, and it's just <laughs> throwing okay. insults back and forth at each other, literally like a tennis match. And okay. whoever got the other person stumped where they couldn't come back with any yeah. kind of insult. I mean, it was kind of like the whole, you know, your mama battles. You, have, yeah. you remember yeah. those? Yeah. Same thing. Um, but no, when you get on a, a social media platform or online or where there's any idea that there's this anonymity platform where you don't have that one-on-one face-to-face. I mean, even you and I here have more one-on-one face-to-face than you do with your phone on Twitter. And that right. completely takes any of that personability out of it. And, and unfortunately, those disclaimers should be getting longer in those areas, not shorter. Right. You know, when I'm at work and I'm dealing with a coworker or employer or even clients, you, you know, you've done that same thing. That disclaimer that you throw out right before you're going to say something awful starts getting really long and a lot of, and a lot of apologies in there. At so, home with my wife... That disclaimer is real short. You know, I'll go, yeah. honey, what did you think of dinner? She goes, oh, honey, I love you. And but I know it's awful. coming. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, and sometimes do she doesn't have to say it, anything after that. Right. I just go, right. 10-4, uh, all right, my bad. You want right. a sandwich? Yeah, okay. You know, it's, 
but when you get onto those social media platforms, I mean, it's, there's nothing, it's just nothing but blast and hate. And that's another reason why I don't participate. There's a, there's an article that I want to share with, share with you. Um, this was off of Mediafile. Um, I don't even know when this was, when this was published. I, I know it was recent. Um, it was recently published, maybe, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something. I don't know, because there's no date on it. I, I would love to be able to say when it was actually like the day it was actually published to this, uh, to this website, but I have no idea. It's uh, it's called mediafiledc.com. Um, the author didn't even put their name on it. Oh, well, that's, that lends to a lot of creep. Oh, here it is. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He did. Uh, April 12th, 2018. Like I, I looked at this website several times and I finally, finally see right now, think, thankfully, who wrote it and when they wrote it. So back in 2018, um, this guy, Matt, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, G-I-O-I-A. Oh, yeah. I, I, sure. I, I don't, I, I would mangle his name, so I'm not even going to attempt it. Okay. Um, so anyway, he wrote this article and it's called, It's Time to End the Joe Rogan Experience. Joe Rogan being a stand-up comic, right? He right. does his podcast, right. which is, they tend to be two to three hours in length. Um, and all he does is he interviews people that he finds to be interesting. Well, Matt here writes this article about, about uh, it's time to end the Joe Rogan experience. He says, throughout his 30-year career in entertainment, Joe Rogan has earned a legion of fans as the host of Fear Factor, the voice of the UFC, and through his appearance on Mad TV. But despite these roles, he's mostly known as the host of the highly successful Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Um, he goes on to say, in the years since his podcast debuted, Rogan has become one of the most influential celebrities in the United States. Now, that's a key, that's a key um, call out, right, that, he, that this guy, this author writes. He's referring to him as one of the most influential celebrities. And I think, he, I think Joe Rogan is. Um, whether you like him or don't. Whether you like him or not. You, you have to admit that he is absolutely influential in our current society. Yes. Yeah, he has millions of people listening to his podcast every week. Um, we can only dream of having that kind of, uh, of an audience. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but, he, but he is. He's one of the most influential um, podcasters and probably one of the most influential interviewers uh, on the planet right now. Okay. So Matt goes on to say, while many would claim that Rogan's podcast is pure entertainment, Rogan's rhetoric and choices of whom to associate his podcast with are harmful to his listeners and promote hysteria among his audience. Now, of course, he says this without any, without any evidence. Right. Um, you know, um, well, if people were actually hysterical, if his audience was actually hysterical, then why are they listening to him? Do they, right. well, do they and want to be hysterical all the time? In, in all fairness, and, and I don't know where this article goes, and, and I, um, I have no love or hate for the Joe Rogan experience or Joe Rogan. So that being said, I don't see how he would be any more influential or less than any other interviewer on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, other than the sheer fact that we can actually visually see how many people he's touching with his voice in that. Um, and if you want to talk about inciting hysteria, the, the, the actual media, I think, is doing more of that than anyone else. Well, but that's and it, an opinion, and that's mine. Yeah, and, well, and this is pretty egregious, right? I mean, to write that his podcast is harmful. Right. In what way? How are you measuring that? Right. Drugs are harmful to people, right? Right. Um, 
pharmaceuticals can be harmful to people depending on who's taking them and the dosage right. and all that sort of fire is harmful to yes. people. Lava is harmful <laughs> to people. I don't think that Joe Rogan's podcast is the equivalent of fire or lava, which is causing harm to people. Uh, might, might be close to COVID-19. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> The numbers are still varying on that. But well, well, let me read a little bit more of this article. Matt goes on to say, throughout his podcast history, he, along with various guests, have constantly discussed and have given credence to various conspiracy theories. Oh, no. Okay. That sounds bad. Rogan has proclaimed on his podcast that he believed that the Apollo astronauts did not land on the moon, that the United States government was behind the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and that the government found aliens in Roswell, New Mexico. Now, I have no idea. I do not listen to the Joe Rogan experience. I have no idea if Joe Rogan has professed belief in these sorts of ideas, but Well, he sure didn't come up with them. But who cares? <laughs> right. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Some of those have been going on for a long dang time. Um, <laughs> but so what if he did? I mean, if he did, so what? Yeah. Like you said, he didn't come up with these. Yeah. Um, they, they already exist. They're going, they've, ex they existed before the Joe Rogan experience and they will continue to exist after. Now, yes, one, somebody can make an argument. And I think this is Matt's argument is, well, if, if people didn't know about it and they happen to listen to Joe Rogan while he's, professing belief in a conspiracy theory, well, then maybe those people will believe what Joe Rogan says. And I'm thinking, okay, now there have been a couple of times when I have listened to the Joe Rogan experience, mainly because I wanted to listen to the interviewee that he had on his show. Now, if all of his episodes are the same way that, the, you know, go the same way of the few episodes that I listened to, I think it's, I think Joe Rogan in a three hour time period talked about how high he was maybe three or four different times. So if you're listening to Joe Rogan and you don't know that most of the time he's operating high on his off his ass, why would you believe anything Joe Rogan yeah. says? <laughs> right. Well, and it's, it's, uh, I, I, I want to go, I, I almost have to go back to this idea of control that unfortunately right now, um, that, well, and I think we're, we're, kind of example of that the podcast realm is actually really picking up in our society right now it is as a yeah. form of media and a form of free expression yeah um if it wasn't we probably wouldn't be here doing this which that's awesome i'm glad we are sure. um and as of right now it is nowhere near the amount of regulation involved in doing this as there is in let's say going on even talk radio on AM that you could probably, you know, just get a big ham radio and, and start broadcasting. Um, there's a lot of regulation out there. So there's a lot of control out there. So any kind of free exchange of ideas that's not regulated, especially when you start looking at the amount of listeners that Rogan has, like you said, we're talking millions. Um, yeah. That can become very powerful. And so do I believe that someone in Joe Rogan's position, not him, necessarily, um, could actually start influencing the masses with his speech. Yes, he could. Do I think that he's doing that by saying that we never landed on the moon and we fooled the Russians and ended the space race? Um, I, I, I don't care. Um, but that's part of the greatness of that too. 
I don't have to believe any of that. I don't have to care. Right. I don't, I don't have to believe in it. I don't you have know to what? listen to Joe Rogan. Yo, and show me some evidence of it. Maybe I'll start going, hmm. I'll get back to my thinkful spot and I go, hmm, think, 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 think. But, but here, let me get there's let me get to the crux of i think why this, oh, okay we this haven't even author, hit there yet i'm sorry yeah we haven't on. even hit the the main <laughs> point but this is why i think um matt uh wrote this particular article he goes on to say that rogan whether he is aware of it or not is promoting alt-right figures and their ideology through his podcast aha see this is this is the problem right matt is does not view himself as a member of the right or a member of the alt-right Right. So he he doesn't like opposing viewpoints to be put out there. Okay. All right. Now because we, let me let me finish what okay. this one go, paragraph go ahead, and then I'll ahead. give it over to you. Because Matt goes on to say his meaning Rogan, his list of guests include Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Steven Crowder, all of whom have espoused rhetoric that is factually inaccurate and who deliberately instill fear or hatred for their own benefit. Now that's that's a that's a tall order right there deliberately instill fear or hatred for their own benefit of course there's no link here there's no additional explanation as to how he has made or how he has come to that conclusion that these three alex jones milo Yiannopoulos, and stephen crowder are factually inaccurate and who deliberately instill fear or hatred for their own benefit well, no, and, and that sounds a little bit like cherry picking and almost trying to say that he's actually picking people that align with his beliefs. Um, and I'll make a perfect example of how I know that is not what's happening over there. I believe if not once, possibly twice, and I could be wrong, but I know once for sure he's had just recently uh, Bernie Sanders on there. Yes, are you, he are actually you telling endorsed me? him. Yes. All right, so are you tending to tell me now that Bernie Sanders, because if that statement is true, that he that he only aligns himself with quote unquote alt right individuals, which I'll I'm going to get back to that word and definition here in just a second. Um, then that would not be happening. You would not have Bernie Sanders, who is an open socialist, actually on your program, and then turn around and endorse him. Come on. So either you you are cherry picking the facts that again fit your argument, or you're trying to change it so that everything fits. Um, and that, that term alt-right and maybe, well, let's see, 2018. Yeah. Some things have changed in two years because I believe the definition of that word in the way that Matt, and I'm, I'm making a leap here, trying to use my own critical thinking skills as little I have left, um, is actually trying to talk about a political, of, uh, alignment. Whereas right now, if I walk outside and I use the term alt-right, I don't believe that's what anybody thinks that term means anymore. Right. And right. this is what we're talking about, about the changing of our actual language. And by changing your language, you are literally changing the culture right. of the people. Right. So Matt here goes on to say, I'm just going to finish this out here. Rogan is playing right into the alt-right's hands by providing a platform that humanizes them. Wait a minute. I have to stop right there. Providing a platform that humanizes them, meaning Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Steven Crowder, because we know that they're not humans, so therefore Joe Rogan is humanizing them. That's just ridiculous in and of itself. Anyway, he goes on, and instead of fact-checking their ludicrous statements, he allows them to espouse their beliefs to his audience, thereby lending his guests credibility and an audience to preach to. 
By doing this consistently, he, Rogan, is pushing their vile messages closer and closer into the mainstream and contributing to their acceptance into the social media world. His viewers have become susceptible to illogic, or I'm sorry, have become susceptible to illogical, xenophobic, and hateful rhetoric because Rogan gives people like Jones and Yiannopoulos a platform where they will not be challenged and called out for their words and behavior. In the wake of the Sinclair Broadcasting Group's mass fake news message, it is imperative that we call out organizations and people who repeatedly undermine the truth for their own benefits. Joe Rogan, inadvertent as it might be, is contributing to the narrative that all media is filled with gross misinformation and deceit. All this serves to do is further damage the public's trust in institutions and the truth itself. Well, who the hell made you the arbiter of truth, Mr. <laughs> Matt? Something or other. Well, and, and this, this is the unfortunate part about, such, uh, about the paper. Actually, up to a point, there's, there's, some, there's some points that Matt brings up that you and I are able to have some dialogue about, allow for some um, lenience in one area, Give some credence to even some things to say that that Joe Rogan's influential and this is how and and seeing how some of that could be utilized for nefarious means, I can absolutely you know I can allow for that. When you start actually attributing what you what he's doing and actually saying that now because these people are on the far right end of the conservative spectrum of politics, now they're not human. They're not. Um, worthy of having a voice we shouldn't be listening to anybody and now you're actually pulling everything into your own political bias you're writing a paper so that you can put it on your platform and influence everyone else who might read it with your bias I mean how is that if you're trying to be a beacon of truth and of integrity and weed through this this um, uh, swamp of vile degradation then how is what you're doing not contributing to that on the exact opposite end of the spectrum and it's i i don't that's where you lose me i mean that right. that's where everything you had going for you even in a little bit you you just obliterated your entire argument with your own political influence and bias which is what you're accusing other people of. right and 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 again you know this goes back to um, you know, getting that feedback and being told that, you know, you're, you're wrong or you're sound like a crazy person or, you know, bitch, what, you know, the, the, <laughs> back to Joe Rogan. Right. You know, and if this, if this Matt character, if he, if he truly believes what he believes, okay. If he truly believes that you know, Milo Yiannopoulos and Steven Crowder and Alex Jones, I've never watched Alex Jones. He always seemed like a crazy person to me. Um, I know he gets a lot of flack from the left as being a crazy person and a tin hat wearer. I, I've never watched him. I've never, I have watched and listened to Milo Yiannopoulos and Steven Crowder. I think they're funny. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think they make a lot of, of really good points. But even for the sake of argument, if let's say all, of, all three of them are wrong, um, so be it. There's nothing stopping Matt from going out onto the internet for creating his own podcast or whatever and refuting those ideas and showing how they're wrong and, and actually debating them in the realm of ideas. But Matt doesn't want to do that. Matt actually just wants to shut Joe, Joe Rogan down, or at least he did back in 2018, um, because he doesn't want to do the heavy lifting, at least it seems to me, 
he doesn't want to do the heavy lifting of trying to unpack those ideas and thinking, well, could they be right? And let's look at it. Or are they wrong? And here's why. Uh, he doesn't want to do that. And so instead, he just wants to silence you know, anybody who has an opposing thought uh, against him. And, and that's dangerous. That's a very dangerous area to be in. Right. Well, and then, then again, we, we, in, order for, in order for him to effectively do that without having to do the heavy lifting, then we, we label those kind of thoughts ideas, right? That's where mm -hmm. you get uh, terms like alt-right. You get terms like uh, rhetoric. You know, those type of things actually immediately start going, well, okay, now that they've been labeled as disingenuous, unfounded, or, or wrong think, then I can discredit all of it without any thought on my own. And I think that's, again, going back to the idea that we are, I guess, socially bound in our speech um, and not really relying on ourselves to do that. Um, critical thinking process, we actually go, well, okay, it's been labeled. Now I don't, I can, I can move on to something else yeah. because I've got a lot of the things doctor for day. So. And, and, and this is, for me, this is fundamentally important. You know, a lot of, a lot of times people will, I think, I think there are far too many people in society who will read something that Matt says and they might say, um, you know, okay, Alex Jones, you know, does come across as a crazy person. I don't know. Again, I'm just, that's what, that's sure. the perception I think that a lot of people have created on, especially on social media um, about Alex Jones, that Alex Jones is a crazy person. And so, well, yeah, maybe he should be silenced, right? He's a crazy person. So let's silence that person. I think there are people in this country, in our society who will say that yeah. and say, oh yeah, okay. It makes sense. Let's, you know, that person, he's a little too extreme. So yeah, let's go ahead and save that. The problem with that thinking is or that, or that attitude is where does it end? Well, sure. And, and, you know, when I hear those, those are, so, okay, let's just pretend. All right. If I give you Alex Jones, then who do I get to silence? Right. And, and, and I look at that very, and, and I have to do that myself because there's a lot of people out there talking a lot of crazy stuff right now that I would love to not turn on the TV or the radio and hear his or her voice ever again. But if I say, well, if you silence someone like, well, let's take Alex Jones out of it and let's leave Matt out of it for the minute. Um, and let's bring it back up to current. If you silence, uh, pick a somebody, uh, you silence Donald Trump, you silence the president of the United States. Okay, does that mean I get to silence Nancy Pelosi, the current speaker of the house? Because I don't want to hear her. It's, if it doesn't work both ways, then it doesn't work. And silencing people never works because ultimately you're just going to run out of mouths and and for what and then where does that get us we if we don't have opposing arguments with each other we are never challenged to improve upon what we have we talked about this i mean or at least touched on a similar idea when we were looking at um, mentoring when we were talking about that mm -hmm. you know you do nobody a service by being nice to them and saving their feelings and not telling them the truth if, if you've got a boss who you are not meeting the expectations, you're not making the cut, you're failing at everything, and they go, you know what? And they pat me on the head, Jason, you're doing okay. You're just doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. And I get fired six months later because I've never done my job. How is that helping me? So without any kind of challenge, 
even if it's on my ideas or something I say or anything like that, then where am I to grow? How am I to continually progress? And as a society, when we, can, when we stop challenging ourselves, we're not going to progress. Well, and, and if you're willing to give up a little bit, so even if you're willing to say, okay, we can silence the, we can silence the crazy Alex Jones, or we can silence the crazy Sean Hannity, or we can silence the crazy, you know, the Young Turks, for example, on the left. If we're willing to, to, to accept certain silences, eventually you're going to wake up and, and they're going to start pressing against people that aren't so crazy. Right, that yep. don't sound so crazy. They're going to start pushing up and saying, now I want to silence this person who actually seems reasonable. And you're going to wake up one day and realize, well, you, the, like the old adage, you gave them an inch and they took a mile. Right. But you're well, asleep at the wheel because, well, it doesn't really affect me. Right. There, I think there are too many people that get complacent and say, well, that doesn't really affect me. So it's okay. Go ahead and go ahead and silence that one person or go ahead and silence yeah. those 10 people. Well, where does it end? Exactly. Eventually, you're going to wake up and they're going to be trying to silence you. And now it's too late. Well, because and you've given that mile. If we let, we say, okay, it's the crazy, it's just the crazy people, right? It's just the crazy. Well, who's people. crazy? Exactly. Who and defines crazy, crazy? Is only it's a relative definition. Right. It's all right. they're only crazy if you have them in a room full of actual what we call normal people, right? Well, guess what? There's always going to be one person on the end of the spectrum. If you just keep cutting off the spectrum, eventually that's going to come down to right mid midline. You know, right. it's, it's where we talk about the, the quote-unquote extremists, whether you're ex, an extreme leftist or an extreme conservative or, or alt-right or whatever you want. It's, when you're out on the end, if you start cutting all that out, eventually even just thinking outside of the midline is going to be an extremist. Right. And we, you know, you know the founders of this country enshrined freedom of speech in the Constitution for oh. a reason. They did it so that we could we could talk about difficult things out in the public sphere and we could settle political disputes and such amongst amongst the populace and then right. the population the, the citizens could then tell you know their senators or their representatives etc what should or shouldn't happen in terms of legislation you know in the country and so forth so the free speech exists not just to criticize the federal government for example um, or not just to be able to paint a painting because you had a dream. It's there. It also exists. Part of its reason for existing is so that we can hash out these very difficult uh, topics and very difficult concepts in the public space. Um, because if you can't, if you're not permitted to do that, all we have to do is look at look at like the old Soviet Union after the Bolsheviks, you know, took control of Russia in 1917. They stifled all kinds of free speech. They eliminated private property. They eliminated the free market. Hell, they even wanted to get rid of, of currency, and they tried. Um, and, and the Soviets, the, the communists that took over, um, they tried many times to get to a full socialist utopia. But in order to do that, they had to control the behavior of people. And to control the behavior of people, they had to control their speech. Right. And by, by the height of the Cold War, there were people had language, people had modified their language um, for when they were out in the public space versus when they were behind closed doors. And there were just certain things that you, you, were, you couldn't talk about in the public space because if you did and the wrong person heard you, well, then you got shipped off to the gulag. You know? and, and they didn't put just criminals in the gulag. They put anybody that they wanted to that was deemed to be 
um, a, a, a political um, activist or uh, an enemy of the party. Um, right. You could, if you, if you just happen to get on a train without a ticket, you could be imprisoned if that was perceived, if you were caught without a ticket and if it was perceived that that was an affront against the party and the state, you could then get shipped off to the gulag. And most people that were shipped off, they didn't go in front of a, of a trial of a court or right. anything. No, it, was, it, was, it was the police that cops captured them, and, you were right, gone. and sent them. Right. And, and when we look at the fall of the, of the late Soviet Union in 1991, um, you look at what was happening in the late 80s there. Well, you know, Gorbachev was trying to, he was trying to restructure the communist state. And what he allowed, much to his surprise, was he allowed more people to start speaking freely because he removed a lot of the, um, the penalties for speech if you spoke out against the government. He started to pull some of that back. And people, they, it, it was just a floodgate. They let the, the stream of consciousness start to go. And that was part of why the Soviet Union eventually crumbled because now ideas were cropping up and sh being shared across the Soviet Union and it eventually was one of the things that led to the overall overthrow of, of the government. Um, so the stifling of free speech led to the rise of, the, of communism and the, the reintroduction of free speech slowly um, led ultimately to its, its overall demise, among other things. But that was, that sure. was part, of the, part of the thing that led to that demise. Well, and I had this discussion with my wife uh, months ago. Um, in, in order to actually... What, and what I the point I was making at the time was was really controlling the masses of a free society. Um, the first thing you have to do is is start to you have to whittle away at those freedoms and those independence, so that the masses become reliant of completely upon the government. And right. when you have a free society like ours, you cannot go in and just take them away. And you can't take them away in droves and enforce it at gunpoint. You can't do it. What you can do is allow the society to willingly offer up those individual liberties, bite-sized pieces at a time, so that you can protect them for their own right. And we have seen that over and over, especially in the last, I would say, about 10 years. We've sacrificed so much of our individual liberties for the sake of the public welfare and our own welfare um, and done it willingly and almost applaudingly so. Yeah. And free speech is being, has been attacked and is being attacked probably on the forefront more than any of the others. Um, and I mean, take it even to this, uh, this COVID thing. You know, I remember when that first started popping up when we were talking about having to quarantine. I said, well, you're not going to be able to do that. You can't institute martial law and arrest people at home. No, what they did instead was allow us to do that willingly on our own. And we did it. And we're still doing it graciously, thankfully, applauding all of the heroes who are out, who allowed us to do that. And um, yeah, I don't see that not coming back. That experiment has been tried and it's been proven. And, we've see, and we're seeing that with our free speech. Our free speech has been under attack for a long time. And we do that like we had talked about already in the realm of um, personal influence with each other. Um, we've already regulated our speech. Um, political correctness, that's a weapon against free speech and the people of this country. It is. And anybody out there who doesn't believe that 
um, really take a second, calm yourself down after you just heard me say it aloud, but really look at what it's attacking. It's attacking your ability to express yourself freely in the oppressions that are happening. So I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, there might be people that say, well, who cares? You know, aside from, you know, it's happening now and they might say, you know, well, yeah, the Soviet Union was a different country. It was halfway around the world. It was a different thing. And, and what, you know, nothing like that is happening here. And I say, well, um, you might be surprised. Um, and I want to lay out a couple of examples. Um, for example, in 2017, uh, the governor of California, Jerry Brown at the time, he signed into law the ability to imprison healthcare workers if they failed to use a person's preferred pronouns. Throw them in jail. Put them in jail. Mm -hmm. If yeah. a healthcare worker failed to use somebody's preferred pronouns. In 2018, this is just two years ago. In 2018, a gentleman by the name of Peter Vlaming, he was a teacher, he was fired from his job. And his crime his crime was he refused to use a student's preferred pronouns. You see, one year, uh, the previous year, he, a student in his class was a girl. And in the next year, the same student came to campus and this time wanted to be referred to as a boy. Well, Mr. Vlaming didn't want to call her a boy because he knew that she was actually a girl. But, but he wanted to be respectful. And so what he did decide to do is he said, you know what? I will call you by your chosen name, by the name you picked. Yeah. Right. So Sally became Bill or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and so he said, well, I'll call you by your chosen name. And what he did, what he did was he just refused to refer to the students by pronouns at all. So he only referred to the student by the student's chosen name, the male name. Um, but because he refused to use male pronouns to describe the student in any cases, the school board decided that he should lose his job. In other words, they wanted to hear the words. The school board wanted to hear him say the words and he didn't do so. So they fired him. Right. Um, and, and so people might say, you know, there are people today that say, well, and, and this is really typical of, of, of younger generations, right? They say, well, you know, speech hurts. And, and speech, we heard it from that guy, Matt, right? He said, you know, right. speech is harmful. Where Joe Rogan was harming listeners. And we hear that a lot in today's society that, that speech is, can, be, can be hurtful and can do damage and traumatizing. I've, I've seen videos of interviews where people have saying, well, the, their words were traumatizing to me. They, they hurt me. Um, and... The, the, the problem for these people, what they fail to, re, what they fail to realize is um, you don't, there is no such thing as hate speech being illegal. And for the purpose of, of Mr. Vlaming, you know, the Supreme Court also ruled that the government cannot compel you to say certain things. You know, we see this today where people want, uh, want to force people to say specific pronouns. They want to you know, call them G or they or whichever. Um, and the SCOTUS, has, the SCOTUS has laid this out in numerous, numerous cases where they've said, no, you cannot be compelled to say certain things. And hate speech is not 
a thing. It doesn't, hate speech is not a thing. Hate speech right. is just simply free speech. You are, you do not have the right to not be offended. Right. And, the, and, and nor do I have the right um, to say that I can or cannot offend you or make you feel any other way. I don't have that ability, nor do I have that control or over your emotions. Um, I would argue that pe most people don't have control over their own emotions, let alone expecting somebody else to have control over how they might interpret and or be emotionally affected by that. That is not only is that absolutely unfair, it's absurd. And, you know, we talk about free speech, either spe all speech is protected or none of it is. And if speech is an expression of thought, you might as well, if you're going to say that we're going to start regulating speech in that way, you might as well going to be telling me whether I am allowed or not allowed to think. Absolutely. You know, and even if you fail to use somebody's proper pronouns um, accidentally, if you, you know, thousands and thousands of years of, of evolution, we've looked at faces, we've looked at each other's faces, at human faces, and we can pretty, we can, we have a pretty good eye of determining who's a, who's a, a male or who's a female. You watch a, I'm sure any number of people have done it. I'm sure you've done it where you're watching a film and you can't see, you know, the, the character is at a distance. They're completely clad from head to toe. They might be wearing a motorcycle helmet. And you're like, that's a woman. Yeah. Right? Because you can tell there's certain features. Well, sure. And sure enough, you know, she pulls her helmet off and it's a woman, right? We, we, we have through millions but, of years of evolution, we can identify these things. Yeah. And, and in and contrast that, you know, the pull the helmet off and it's a dude, everybody, I don't what? care whether you're man or female and it goes, Whoa, what was that? Bitch, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know what? That's a natural reaction. That's, That's okay. A reaction. Right. To try yeah. and tell me that I had some sort of effectual impact on any of that, right. and I actually thought it out, and I was trying to hurt your feelings by, by being shocked, sorry, right. not gonna happen. And so if you, if you by, through millions of years of evolution, recognize that somebody's really a dude, and you happen to call the person a dude, and they say, no, it's ma'am, and they get mad at you, in New York City, you can be fined up to $250,000. So what happens to the guy in the bar? It goes up and is like, hey, what's going on, baby? And she turns around and, and she's dude-faced. And he goes, <laughs> oh, God, and he runs off. Now, normally in, in situations, all the buddies at the table start laughing and ridiculing him. Sure, and sure. Make fun of him for the rest of his life because that's how guys are. We won't ever let that go. Somehow, stuff like that gets actually put into long-term care, you know, long-term memory. That happens. But um, so now, I mean, what do you do? You offer to pay the fine right there to him, her, it, please, because with the, I don't even know the proper pronouns. Right. And you know what? Here's my free speech. I don't care. I don't care. If you out there want to be referred to as him, her, it, they, plus thing, puppy, kitten, fine. But don't expect me to know that coming up to you. And you know what? If you tell me, I'm sorry, sir. Oh, okay, you did it to me, but that's all right. I want to be referred to as kitten. And I go, oh, dude, I'm so not calling you kitten. Um, you don't get to freaking haul me into jail for it. You don't get to regulate me any more than I get to regulate you. That's the, that's the ins and outs of free speech and free thought, free expression. Welcome to real life. Well, and those things are, yourself. you know, those things are called, those things are just common courtesies. You know, there's nothing sure. wrong. And, and I'm sorry, but if somebody wants to be referred to as another gender, they have to understand that people are going, they're not going to know that. 
Yeah. And I think, I think transgender people need to recognize or should recognize that, you know what? Um, I, I'm not always going to pass as the opposite gender and people will probably be able to tell it and that's okay. Right. This is something you, you're choosing to have this lifestyle and, and nobody can read your mind. Right. Um, and you, I'm sorry, but you may not actually pass exactly for the other side. And, and you know what, if you correct somebody just tell them, no, please, you know, it's miss or mister, what, what fine, whatever. As a common courtesy, I will, I will call you what you want to be called typically. Sure. I will typically call you what you want to be called, but you also can't get mad at somebody if you want to be called G and they, they don't call you that and they fail to call you that because that's not a word. And <laughs> How somebody dare have... you? I don't sell drugs. I'm a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... Hey. Okay. Oh sorry. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody has 30 years of practice using a made up word called G nobody, you, you can't, you know, these are, these are just ridiculous. So this brings me to, this brings me to, um, to, an, to a whole other, to a whole other point um, that I wanted right. to bring up. And that's this concept of trigger warnings, trigger warnings, trigger warnings. You know what those are? You know what trigger warnings are? Yeah. I usually cock. And I put the safety off and I tell whoever it is they've got up to the count of, oh, wait, no. Is that not what you mean? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. What, what's a trigger warning? It's a, it's, so a trigger warning is just simply a label that's put on a piece of media. It might be at the beginning of a video. It might be the beginning of a podcast or it might be at the very top of a document, right? That, and the, basically it just says, hey, this media text, uh, it contains content that um that you might find offensive or so you, you might find hurtful it might hurt your feelings is that like pg-13 contains violence and yeah you know, essentially going, yeah it's know, a, they're doing that for documents and okay all they're, right they're doing that and you you typically see this in schools and in, in universities on college campuses where they'll they'll put a they'll put a trigger warning on let's say uh, huckleberry finn in literature class right so you're taking a literature course you buy the Huckleberry Finn book and the teacher will preface it. Well, you know, in the syllabus, you know, they tell you, you got to buy this book to read, but there's a trigger warning, trigger warning, you know, use of racial language, you know, don't be, don't get, you know, just want to prepare you um, right. for, for this kind of concept. And um, it, it's, you know, this is a type of safety. This is a, a safety measure, right. Mm -hmm. um, in order to help people or to try to, get people to not freak out. There have been cases or instances where um, some, some students and college campuses, and this is why they started putting trigger warnings on things, because a teacher might be talking about a specific topic and they happen to use, well, the actual language that was used at the time and people will freak out and students have become like, just crying and hysterical because they've never experienced that word before, or it was just a, such a terrible thing. And why, you know, how dare the, 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 the professor um, actually show that content? Don't they know any better? And <sighs> this, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but life's a bitch. Uh, it, you know, in a helmet. Yeah. In, yeah. In a helmet, I guess, you, you know, life's life's tough you gotta you gotta buck up a little bit you know you can't have a 
we're talking about things going on on college campus in a classroom with a, with a college professor. We're not talking about you okay. stumbling upon a rape that's happening in the quad. We're talking well, about having a conversation about literature, for example, about things like Huckleberry Finn. Yes, they say the N-word in Huckleberry Finn because it was written, it's, it's set in the context of, you know, of the Deep South after slavery. Okay. It, Go ahead. If, if I, okay, no, I'm going to back up. Not mm -hmm. me. Cause mm -hmm. I, I can't use me. I, I'm a biased example. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if I am a young, um, a young kid coming out of high school and I'm looking to um, bridge the gap between my early academic years and to learn about how to apply everything I've gotten so far into gaining my existence into the real world as a adult. Mm -hmm. I would hope and pray that I go to a collegiate institution that is going to be willing to even discuss language that I, that is a part of the friggin' world that I will hear and actually just be able to talk about it without me freaking breaking down. And, you know, I, full disclosure, I am a white middle-aged male. Maybe I don't get it. Maybe I don't. I, th I think that is a very real possibility. However, um, as an example, you, you said the, the, the N-word in Huckleberry Finn. I don't know a single black American who has not handled that word in any way, shape, or form in their upbringing up till college to cause that. So I don't know if, if that particular example of breaking down crying was in that relation or to something else. But the fact of the matter is, if you can't take hearing a word and moving on with your life from it, then you have a lot of learning, maybe outside of the academia world, yet to do well and, and this just goes to the this just you know the, the idea of a trigger warning right what we're saying is if we're going to put a trigger trigger warning on something we're promoting the idea the concept that you always have the right to feel comfortable but you don't have the right to feel comfortable well no i'm going to disagree with that point to to it on the a trigger warning to me sounds like a, a label. It's a warning label, right? Um, and pretty much any warning or any caution, everything I, I always root down to freaking lawyers because all that is, is some sort of protection. Like you said, a safety net for the school, for the college to be able to say any, somebody got sued over something about that, that they were forced to uh, deal with content that they weren't prepared for and how dare you, sir, and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's purely a, um, a catch-all. That's a lawyer cover your butt um, stamp. So by putting this warning on, by putting this label on, we cannot be held liable. So I don't know if that's necessarily so that people can feel comfortable, um, but there's this overwhelming idea, I think, that we as a people, we are entitled to feel warm and fuzzy and cushioned everywhere we go we're never going to be challenged. We're never going to be called, you know, names. Nobody's ever going to hurt our feelings. No, ever, no one's ever going to make us feel bad. Hell no, we, we're, you're not even allowed to get um, beat up as a kid growing up anymore. 
Now, I'm not promoting physical violence among elementary school kids, but I think most of us had some sort of violent encounter growing up, and I, I know I had a few. And you know what? I didn't like them, and it was terrible. But I learned from them, too. <clears throat> it, there's, there's a lot of ugliness out there that I have learned life lessons from, from being a part of. And you know what? I've had hate speech shouted out at me growing up quite a bit too. I know that might be hard for people out there to really grasp or comprehend, but I was not brought up in a predominantly white neighborhood, not even close. But see the, the problem. So I, I still stand by the, the, the concept or the, the idea that trigger warnings are, are trying to develop the rights to always feel comfortable because they're designed around, they were created for people who were having these sort of violent PTSD style attacks of breakdowns um, because they, they heard of something that just didn't really set well with them. And, and I think, come on, what, what, kind, of, what kind of a society are we, are we creating here when we have people that get literally offended and having a PTSD style attack because they hear something or they happen to read something um, that is that is mild, and, and, and so I, I have an example of here. These are these are examples of trigger warnings that have been placed on certain things to protect people, so that people can feel very safe about the media that they are interacting with. Remember that we put you know. Schools, universities are putting trigger warnings on things so that the students can then make a decision and have an out uh, so that they don't actually have to read the book they don't or the they don't have to do the right, assignment. Right, right. It's like, no, I don't want to be involved in that assignment because it's going to trigger me. And so these are some examples of, of where, where trigger warnings have occurred. We've got trigger warnings for all types of uh, very uh, potentially offensive or upsetting content. Not the fact that they're actually offensive or not the fact that they're actually upsetting content. I mean, yes, if there's content that like, if there's a website, for example, that has snuff films, right? That's gonna, that is, I think yeah. without a doubt, unsettling <laughs> right. content. Um, we're not talking about things like that. I think that kind of goes without saying, but it's potentially offensive. And if it's something is potentially offensive, well then we have no idea if it's gonna be offensive or not. And these are things not limited to things such as misogyny, the death penalty, calories in a food item, <laughs> no wait 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 calories in a food item yes i could have gotten out of all of that nutrition stuff <laughs> i still to this day don't know how many calories are bad or not right. you could tell me that that candy bar is a thousand calories and i'll go i'll eat it and go wait is, it, is that a lot or yeah because i don't know oh sorry so calorie calories in a food item terrorism drunk driving how much a person weighs Racism, gun violence, stand your ground laws, drones, homophobia, PTSD, slavery, victim blaming, abuse, swearing, um, let's see, child abuse, self-injury, suicide, talk of drug use, descriptions of medical procedures. I hope nobody's in, uh, in medical school. Yeah. Corpses, skulls, skeletons, needles, discussion of isms. <laughs> discussions of isms of isms racism oh racism sexism, sexism feminism yeah uh okay isms i got it okay neuroatypical shaming slurs including stupid or dumb 
<sighs> kidnapping, dental trauma, discussions of <laughs> <laughs> discussions of sex, even consensual, death or dying, spiders, insects, snakes, vomit, pregnancy, childbirth, blood, scarification, Nazi paraphernalia, slimy things, and holes. This is uh, that this this I know I'm laughing my butt off and I am so sorry because I know holes. I, holes people need a trigger warning for holes holes yes I could totally see that yeah uh, traumatic events how much involved. how much a person weighs you can't handle how much you weigh look you know if you're fat you know if you need to lose weight you know that nobody needs to tell you and yes if somebody were to say it so you can't go to the nurse you know every time i go to the doctor i have first thing i have to do is stand on the weight or stand on the on the scale right and i always look at them and i laugh and i'm like you really don't need to tell me i can read yeah, it don't don't I, no no don't tell me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah you know actually that i think you make a very compelling case that we should um we should ban scales in physicians offices because obesity is a a, a rampant problem in this and you're just making everybody Come feel on. bad you're hurting my feelings i'm now not able to open up to my doctor because i can't talk about it because i'm emotionally distraught and I, all i can think about the whole time is that that scale was was what it was and and that's uh, that's damaging my health care you're actually pulling away my ability to have good health care and, and keep it keep in mind many of these trigger warnings they're placed in universities they, they're occurring in oh, uni I don't on university campuses so, yeah. so these, these students these yeah. students are going to a place where they should be learning about different ideas and being right. challenged on different things and being exposed to all types of different topics so that they get a well-rounded education mm -hmm. and become a well-rounded individual for society and yet we're putting trigger warnings on them on things um, so to shield them, to protect them, so they always feel comfortable. What's going to happen when they go out into the real world? What's going to happen when they get a job and their boss has to, you know, says something or yells at them? Um, not all bosses are nice, and even having a difficult discussion can be hurtful. Well, so, again, though, you're you're so I'll, I'm going to just put this out here too. You know, if you are you're creating a new normal in society. And this starts from elementary school to middle school, high school, collegiate level. This now becomes the norm for your day-to-day -day operations. Every time that you send an email, every time you send an inner office memo, um, you're going to have to put trigger warnings on there for every. I mean, this is what's going to happen because let's just face it, Sally or Sue or Tim, who's in that class, who don't like slimy things and they don't like the word dumb, and they don't like fat or calories, they're the ones who are going to be instituting new company policies within the next 10 years that you need to put trigger warnings and these things are not to be discussed in the office. Yeah. And so wow. this is why you get people who hunker down in their little cubicle office and they go in at eight o'clock and they're gone at 4.59 every day and they don't talk to anybody and every single one of these people get compartmentalized i'm you're you're in you're in business um and coaching people in the business place tell me you don't see that right now a little yeah yeah a little and it's it's really sad well all right <laughs> so any final thoughts on this whole topic um, if you limit free speech, you limit your expression, you limit your ability to think, and you limit 
And I'm sorry, I'm going to take it even a step further. You limit your ability to love. Ooh. Yeah. Let's, I mean, really think about when you met your significant other, your first girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever that was, and you actually had a, a, an emotional response, a physical attraction. Can you imagine what that would have been like? If you knew in your mind you are not allowed to be attracted to that person because they were of a specific gender, sex, um, race, creed, color, credo, doesn't matter. Or if they weren't going to allow you to speak your mind. Right. You're not allowed to actually tell them how you feel. that you like them right? because that may come off as aggressive. Yeah. I mean, just imagine where this goes. Nothing that you have internal is yours anymore. Speech is the only way we have of actually communicating. There's body language and all that. It's the mm -hmm. only thing, the only thing we have as a race, as a people, excuse me, as a, a species, in order to able to express what we are feeling inside, what we're thinking in our head, um, what we believe in our soul. The only thing we have is that form of free speech. If you allow it to get chipped away under the guise of, I don't care what it is, whether you want to call it um, political correctness or hate speech or equality or um, fairness, or and the minute you start allowing those things to be given from yourself up, not taken, when you give those things up, Everything else will be taken from you. We will have absolutely no individuality left. We will be the people and the drones that we are told we have to be. And I, right. weep. I weep for us if yeah. that ever comes to that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for saying all that. Yeah. Good stuff. And there's a lot of things people are saying that I can't stand. But I will absolutely stand by their right to say stuff that I don't like. Well, I prefer they just, you know, spout off on their stupidity so we can identify them. Absolutely. And hopefully well, <laughs> we can help them. We can help educate them. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I have people disagree with me and call me names all the time and that's okay. And that's okay. I have a lot of people that actually like some of the stuff I say, and I love that too. Um, but without the other, you've got to have both. You've yeah. got to have that free exchange of ideas. Otherwise we're just, yeah, we're done. All right. All right. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. And with that, remember you can send us email at contact at fusionunderground.net. Thanks for listening, everybody. This will be up Tuesday. If you have anything you want to say, please uh, drop us a email or give us a comment on our Facebook page. For Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez, and we're out. Have a good night. <laughs>